The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, and the counselors, and the treasurers, and the justices, and the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, and bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews who you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. The Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good, But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. The Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. These men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent, and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. The Nebuchadnezzar came near the door of the burning fiery furnace, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, 
And the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your deliverance. Thank you for your faithfulness. Um, Thank you for your strength to live as exiles in this world. God, we pray uh, for Brother Jonas as he speaks, that you will grant him clarity and uh, that he will communicate um, your words effectively. Lord, speak to our hearts and help us hear from you today. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. How's everybody doing? Good. All right. Um, Go ahead and um, have your Bibles open still. If you guys don't know know me, is anyone new here? Whose first time is it here? Oh, don't be shy. It's okay. All the way up. Like, this is dolphin hands all the way up. Let's clap it up for all the new people. Hey, man, we're so glad to have you guys here. I'm, I'm low-key new, too, so I've only been here for uh, a few weeks. So if you guys don't know me, my name is Jonas. I'm the new uh, youth and young adults director. So I'm so excited to be here and to share the word of God with you guys, okay? Can everybody just kind of breathe out real quick? Okay, I'm just letting you know, I'm, I'm going to come for some of y'all next, in Jesus' name, amen. It's all in love, so I'm so excited, like I'm so ready uh, to share this word. I got to, Billy told me to time myself because I'm known for going overtime. But okay, God is good. All right, so, um, so if you guys are taking notes, the title of my message today is this, Faith in the Fire. Okay, Faith in the Fire. So what we're doing, we're going through the book of Daniel, and we're a series of the book of Daniel. We've been um, talking about living as exiles. So as followers of Jesus Christ, um, we are, this is not our home, just in case y'all didn't know that. Amen. Some of y'all got nice houses in La Jolla. Some of y'all came from Temecula, my family. Shout out to y'all. Some of y'all got nice houses and areas. That's cute and all, but ultimately, you know, this is not our home. The Bible tells us that we are exiles and foreigners. One day, Jesus Christ will come back, right, and he will take us home to be with him. And so in that, as you go through, it's not going to be a fun and easy journey. There, there will be a lot of pain and there'll be a lot of tragedy. There will be a lot of testing of your faith as you walk out this Christian life. And so those of you guys who just got saved, praise God for you. I know everything's so amazing. I know I'm kind of jealous of some of y'all when y'all first get saved. You know what I'm talking about? When you, like everybody, you preaching to, to toys, to everybody on the block, anything that you see. You don't know nothing, but hey, all I know is Jesus saved me. And eventually life starts to get hard, right? Marriages start falling apart. Kids start acting crazy. Families start getting sick. Uh, death starts to happen. And now you're like, wait a minute, what, what's going on? And so as we go through this book, I, I, I've been privileged and tasked with the assignment of preaching from Daniel chapter 3 today. And so I don't know if many of you guys, I don't want to assume that people grew up in the church, but this is a very uh, famous Sunday story, uh, a Sunday school story, as you will, right? Maybe you guys are like me, some of you guys who grew up in the church. Anybody ever acted this out in drama, any skits, people? Amen. I see some of y'all. Is that we, uh, growing up, that was me. We were acting that. We had all this story, Tasmanian devil representing King Nebuchadnezzar was crazy, but uh, God still worked in those ways. Um, so 
What I want to do, as you guys are here today, I want you guys to, to let go of everything that you have already known about this story and give me just a few moments to uh, come with a new perspective and a new set of eyes and ears to see what God wants to say with us today. So right off the bat, uh, Daniel chapter 3 um, focuses on uh, uh, Daniel's friend Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So I want to say this is a true story. This is not, this is not a made-up story. This is not Harry Potter Right. This is not uh, Game of Thrones. It's not all these crazy shows. That it's just this, Disney didn't make this up. There's no movie in production that's going to say this is fake. This is real historical people who lived about thousands of years ago. OK, so I want you guys to understand from that perspective. This is not fake. It's not make believe. This is a story about courage. I don't know if you guys know this, but it takes courage to be a Christian. Amen. One thing I, when I first preached, preach, I told people I like people to say amen. Okay, don't fake it. Don't boost my ego. Like if God's speaking to you, it's okay to say amen. It's okay to shout, stand up, do whatever you want to do. So if, if God says something, say amen. We're going to, I believe towards the end of the message, you guys will be a lot better at that. And so, um, yeah, so this story takes courage. It's not easy to be follow Jesus. If, if, for example, if you're not a Christian and somebody hits you, it's easy to be like, all right, put your hands up. I'm going to hit you back, right? But being a follower of Jesus, you can't do that. People uh, uh, cut you off on the freeway, right? You can't be cussing at people, get mad. You can't get like wish. Hopefully, if y'all do that, repent. If y'all did that today, amen. Y'all still love. And so, like, it's so hard to be a follower of Jesus, and it takes courage. Courage is the ability to, um, to do something that frightens you. It's the ability to, to have strength in the face of pain and grief. And as believers of Jesus Christ we, and exiles, we need to be bold, I want to say that as, we, as you grow up in your faith, there's no more time for what I like to call punk Christianity. You know what that means? Like weak. We can't be weak about our faith because the rest of the world out there, they're not. It's plastered on billboards. They got ads. They got algorithms to, to show you, to, to, uh, to disciple our children. The screens on your phone, everything, your iPads, your tablets, all those things are discipling you. And so now it's going to take the church of Jesus Christ to stand up and be bold in the face of opposition. It's going to be a lot of battles that we're going to go through because we live in a post-Christian society. This world is not Christian no more, even though I'm not going to say the whole United States was Christian, but 50s and 60s, it was, it was accepted that, right, uh, um, certain Christian values were accepted, right? And they take it into the school, they're like the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated, like, you know, about marriage and different things. All those were accepted most likely by everyone. We had good uh, Christian morals, uh, not Ultimately, but now as you see that everything's being challenged, the word of God, the Bible is not the, the main voice anymore. It's just a voice among many other voices, right? I'm sure that's not something that's new to you. And so as we go against this, we live in a post-Christian society. And so the way I would like to define what a post-Christianity is, if you never heard it, is this. It's a world where Christendom is disappearing and declining, especially where it's disappearing in the Western world of Europe and North America, where Christianity was once the dominant and default moral guidance. The cost of living in a post-Christian world is things that will no longer be easy or friendly to us. You know what the world is saying about us? Christianity is a hindrance to human development and growth. Have you guys heard that in books and read it? Like when you talk about, oh my God, y'all believe in Jesus, that's so archaic, it's so old. Like the science disproved that. Like, why do you believe it? And so there is this, right, you know, we're lucky in America where you, none of us had to, we just say no secret church, right? The government's not watching us. Maybe you come from, there's other countries and people where you're, where you're from. And like, when you, when you tell somebody you're Christian, you, it's, it's either you're going to die or you're going to live. 
And so we may be comfortable here, right? Praise God, we got ACs. Our seats might not be that comfortable, but you're okay. You got free coffee, you don't have to pay for it. And so it's a little bit easier here as you're here in America. But there's other people out there, when we live in this, it's not going to be easy to be a Christian. When you start to go against the grain, when you go against what everyone is doing, it's going to cost you something. And I know as we go through our text today, uh, hopefully you guys are going to begin to see that tension that following Jesus, I'm going to tell you this, I didn't say this, the, uh, the Bible says that if you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. No one ever says amen on that. Can I get amen? amen. You, you will be persecuted. People will hate you. If they hated Jesus, why do they think they're going to like you? Side note, if everyone likes you, you might, might, you know, you might want to question a few things. I'm just saying, not everyone is going to like you. The way we live our lives is, is, is a witness to a dying world. It's an aroma, a fragrance either of a stumbling block, a block or, or a life. And so how you live your life matters. And so we go, this story is one about courage and strength and boldness, standing in the face of, of an empire with King Nebuchadnezzar in a, in a world, a society, a political and religious government that was completely against the God of Yahweh. And so there's this tension in this story. And like uh, Daniel and his friends, we need to be men and women of God who are resolved to stand on the word of God. Even if the rest of the world is no one else is going and it's just you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may you go boldly and say, I'm going to go. Even if they don't go, I'm going to go. Even if they don't show up, I'm going to show out. I'm going to be sold out for Jesus. Oh, y'all miss your amen moment. You're not going to be sold out for Jesus? And so we must go boldly. And so we must stand strong. And the only way you're able to do that is if you're doing it now. Paul told Timothy, like, I have fought the good fight of faith. Like, I'm being poured out as a drink offering in this moment. Like, he knew he was going to die. He only could say that because that's how he lived his life. The time to pray, friends, is not when you're in trouble. Amen. Whatever that is. Praise God. Um, <laughs> right? The time to pray is not when you're in trouble. Ladies, at 3 a.m., when, when homeboy texts you, Oop, right? That's not the time to pray. It's to pray before. If he texts you what you wearing, you say the full armor of God. Back off, homie. <laughs> Amen. And so what you, that's how you need to be. Amen. Yeah. And so you need to be ready. It's not to pray when you're alone in the back seat. Amen. With somebody. That's not the time to pray. You pray beforehand. You need to be prayed up in all seasons. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. And so the best time to pray is before trouble finds you. Hit your knees first before you're in those situations. And so just in case I lose some of you guys already, here's the big idea. I got five points for us, but here's the big one. Since God's presence is with us through his Holy Spirit, and because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, believers in Christ Jesus can have courage to renounce illegitimate gods and idols and share the gospel in both words and action to unbelieving world. That, that's our privilege we have. We can walk boldly. We don't have to be afraid. No matter if no one is physically there with you, God, through his precious Holy Spirit, is there with you. He is Emmanuel. You know what that means? God with us. Right? You're not alone. God, God is with you. Right? Even when you're in the doctor's room by yourself. Even when your husband, maybe, or your spouse leaves you, or, or everyone's criticizing you at work. You're, you're that Christian alone in the corner. You're not alone. God, the Holy Spirit, is with you. So here's my first point. Is this, and it'll be on the screen if you guys are taking notes. It says, followers of Jesus will be confronted with the idols of this world. Followers of Jesus will be confronted with idols of this world. And a real faith, uh, I wanna, uh, this is another side note, is this real faith is also countercultural. As followers of Jesus, you need to stand up and show the world what you are for and what you're against. And so these are what these brothers are going to do. And so real faith is countercultural. 
There's a culture in this world that tells you there's a certain way you should talk, a certain way you should dress, how you should live your life, how you should date, how you should spend your finances, right? How you should, you know, stream the internet, how you should, you know, your, 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 uh, your playground, your fun time and your workspace. The world is constantly tell you have more of this, do that. And so there's this culture that's trying to indoctrinate us. And then on the side note, there is the, the king and uh, uh, reign of Jesus Christ and his kingdom and how he wants stuff. And those things are always uh, polar opposites against each other. And so as we watch uh, the story of Daniel and how this unfolds, uh, here in this story, this is the last time we're going to hear of Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what a beautiful testimony it is that when we see them, they risk their lives for Jesus and, and Jesus shows up for them. Isn't that dope? Uh, now we don't see them no more. Some people don't end well. Noah was good. At the end of his days, he was naked and drunk. If you know the story of Noah. Samson was good and he fell off. May we start well, brothers and sisters, but also may we, may we end well. May that be your goal to end well as well. And so in this story, we see uh, these young men encounter. Uh, they start to show their faith and conviction. Uh, they're sold out for Jesus. And this is the type of church we need to be. Men and women of God who are so uh, radically in love with Jesus Christ that nothing else matters but him. And so may we be that type of church. And so as we saw last week in Daniel chapter 2, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He's, he wants to kill everybody. Daniel, uh, by God's uh, gracious revelation, reveals to him what that dream is. And King Nebuchadnezzar begins to pay homage to Daniel. He begins to praise him and thank God for him and what he's uh, revealed to him in this sense. And so that ends here and then we end up in chapter 3. So if you guys can follow along, I'm going to read this real quickly uh, about uh, verses 1 through 7. So it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a golden statue 90 feet high and 90 feet wide. That's pretty big. Think the, uh, uh, um, the Washington Monument. It's pretty big. Very huge. That's a very huge building. I always wonder, how do they do that without technology? But anyway, it's a different question. Um, he set up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to assemble the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the rulers of the province to uh, attend the dedication of the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, prefects, and governors, advisors, treasurers, judge, uh, judges, magistrates, and all the rulers of the provenance assembled for the dedication at the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. They stood before the statue. Uh, verse 4, a herald loudly proclaimed people of every nation and language. You are commanded when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the drum, and every kind of music, you are to fall face down and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and every kind of music, people of every nation uh, f fell down and worshiped the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And so earlier in chapter 2, he has this dream. Daniel reveals to him all these different body parts. He said to King Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head. Right? And this, God has graciously revealed this to you. Uh, in your temporary rule and reign and kingdoms, only going to be temporary. But like most of us, we don't like that. And so he gets a little upset. He's like, no, nah, matter of fact, I want everything. 
right? I want to build it all. And so he builds a statue that goes against everything that God has set up. I don't have time to get into that, but I want you guys to underline how many times the text says from verse 1 through verse 7 that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. Notice earlier in chapter 2, God says he establishes kingdoms. He uh, put people in uh, position and leadership, but Nebuchadnezzar on his own set up all these kingdoms uh, by himself or the statue. And so we're introduced to this. And so what's going on here? So as I read this to you, I didn't see nobody ga uh, uh, gasp, right? But to the Jewish, to these Hebrews' mind, when they heard that they had to bow down and worship this image or the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had made up, that was a problem for the Jewish people. Why do I say that? Because in Exodus, um, it tells us, uh, 23, that you may not worship no other gods than me. Now, do you see the problem? Now you're confronted with this, this idol, this God that goes against what we stand for as Christians, that goes against everything that God stands for. God says, even when the, uh, the deepest decoration is the Shema, uh, Deuteronomy 6.4, it said, Hear, O Israel, our God is one. That's very, they said that multiple times a day for centuries. And so now you have this Babylonian king that's uh, completely opposite of what they believe in, telling them, you need to bow down and worship me. Do you see that tension? Now even a lot of, we see churches and pastors where they say coexist. You ever seen that? The priests, they have the, the, uh, the rainbow flag on. They got the coexist. Like, I don't know how that makes sense. If you're asking me, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and every other religion saying something else. Like, something don't add up. And so this is the world that they're standing there and telling you, hey, this is what you need to do. But the Bible is telling you, no, he's the only, he's the way. The article, that's very important. He said, I am a way. Right? If you wanted to go to my house, you got to hop on the 805 South. But if you go on to the 15 North, you're not going to end up where my house is. And so what a lot of people tell you is, oh, there's multiple ways to this one God, and there's only one way. And so we'll see their response later on. What these brothers say is, I don't care what you're going to do in your kingdom. We are only going to believe in our God and only worship him. And even if it kills us, and it may, even if you follow Jesus, sometimes that may mean that you may lose your job. Your friends might not like you no more. But family, can I ask you a question? Is he worthy? Your response should be, he is worthy. Let me just try that again. Is he worthy? He is. Amen. He is worthy. If you, if, you know, if you've been dating a guy for a long time and some of us trying to do evangelism, dating, I'm going to get him saved. Girl, don't worry. He's going to love the Lord. And that's cute and all. But you can't save anybody. Only the Holy Spirit of God can do that. He draws men to himself and saves them. And so may we choose Jesus above all else. And so that's their response. And so notice the pressure that's happening to these men. Right. There is worship this image, bow down. Now they're confronted with these idols. There's the statue that they had to bow down to. Um, so for the sake of time, I got to I'm going to put an image up, but don't put it up yet. There's a lot of us. I think when we think of idol, some of us, maybe we think about like a golden monkey. Right. Or you read Exodus and they bow down to do that. Did anybody grow up during Nickelodeon time with Hey Arnold? Anybody? Do you remember when Helga was she had a shrine in the back with Arnold? And we think that's what idols are. You bow down, but idols are not just things that you externally bow down and worship. That can be one. But then there's also subtle idols that creep into our lives that we may bow down to, that we today as modern believers may, be, may deal with, okay? So I got some pictures, if you get the picture up. So here's some idols that we deal with. Money. Anybody like money? It's okay, raise your hand. It's not a sin to, to like money, just don't love it over Jesus. Right? Money money's an idol, so instead of, right, we got city groups coming up. Instead of going to city groups or signing up or serving your local church, you said, like, where I come from, they say they cash rules everything around me. It's all about, if you ain't got money, you're nothing, right? You need to get the bag, right? You ever heard that phrase? Get the bag, right? And that's, that's what the world tells you. So those are subtle idols. You may not bow down to money and worship it, 
Maybe throw, make it rain in the club. I don't know what you do behind closed doors. And so there's idols that we may have, and it's money. Your desire is like, I got to get money. I come from nothing, and so I'm going to show everybody. And so you're worshiping money. At what expense? God is pushed over to the side. And so how I want to define, here's a helpful definition of what an idol is. An idol is a noun. A person, place, or thing, or thought process that takes God's rightful place and rule in your life. If anything is above Jesus, it's an idol. Amen? All right. I'm just letting you know. In your relationships. I know we got Sunday brunch of church. If they make you do it at church time, say, mm-mm. Church comes first. Right? Oh, I can't, I can't pull up to that city. I got city group tonight. Right? That's what real believers do. Like, they, 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 they put Jesus first. Right? Jesus, I always tell people, Jesus is not a side chick that you put on the side. He's not a side piece. He's not second place. Someone you hit up when you feel comfortable. Hey, Jesus, what's up? How you doing? Like, Jesus is first. He's not second to nobody. And so money might be idols. And then we have Tinder, right? We represent sex. So we have money. I'll just say to you, you got money, sex, uh, power, and comfort. And so that we have Tinder. We, have, we, we live in a hookup culture. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, everyone look at me like this. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So everyone just hooking up. And so our idols is relationship. And maybe I don't know what, how you grew up, what you're dealing with. And so you pursue these things. You're looking for a relationship. This is where I'm going to find my identity. And so like, as long as, because some of us, maybe you're like, my DM's been dry since 03. Ain't nobody hit me up. I got no likes. I know it's rough following Jesus. It's tough. Nobody's talking to you. Nobody's reaching out. And so these are some idols that we may be dealing with. And you're like, Lord Jesus, help me. I'm trying to stay faithful. And Satan's like, come on, man. Just, you know, just show a little something, something. He'll hit you up. And so these are the idols that we deal with. It's pleasure, sex, whatever that may be for you. These are subtle idols. You see how it can creep in? It's not like you're bowing down and I worship you and all that. But these are idols. Like, you, you, you know, thank God for uh, screen time. The, the, if you have iPhone, if you have Android, we're praying for you. Um, <laughs> but screen time, screen time will snitch on you. Because you, know you know how we do. Oh, yeah, I don't got time. I'm so busy, man. I'm just... Pull up your screen time. Ask your friend that. If they don't show up to church or a Bible study or anything, like, let me see your screen time. Ten hours on Instagram and TikTok? Oh, you got time, but you're prioritizing that over Jesus and his word. Anyways, uh, then we have the next one is power. Many of us want control of our lives. Maybe you have A, B, C, D, all the way through Z. If this doesn't work out, then that. And so you don't look to God. You look to yourself as the answer, as the power. Right? And so God is just a, a voice that you go to. Right, It's not someone you trust. Like You're the one that can handle it. Maybe that's how you live your life. You always got to be in control of everything. Can I just ask you, how's that going for you? Not good, right? It's okay. It's okay. Don't lie. It's not, it's not good. Every time you try to do things on your own without Jesus, right? Jesus needs to be the leader of our lives. Or we're the worst God that we can be. Because when Jesus is not your God, and he's not the number one in your life, you make your own God up. And you know how our God is. Our God likes to adjust how we, what we believe. Oh, you know, yeah, my Jesus don't do that. You know what I'm saying? My, God, my Jesus loves that. It's everything. And we just start making up. Well, the Bible don't say that. Well, the way I see it is, it don't matter what you see. What is the Bible? What does the word of God say? Amen. If you can't say amen, say ouch on that part. And so we have power. And the next one is comfort, like social media. Some of y'all, when you wake up, the first thing you do, you just... Right? Oh, how many likes did I get? Check my email. Nothing wrong. We should be successful, but that's your comfort. You spend hours of day when you're dealing stuff instead of being community and, and, and being with the people of God. I know how it is to be depressed sometimes. I like to go to a taco shop and sometimes like just drown my sorrows, turn on Netflix. It's easy. Ain't nobody there, but like that's, that's comfort. That could be an idol where we go to that because remember, anything that takes Jesus's place in your life that you go to for comfort is an idol. Some of us need to fight against those things. And so 
Uh, you can take that off the screen. And so again, they're, they're deal dealing with this legitimate idol that's before them. Bow down and worship. And to them, like, man, I can't do that. Real faith is countercultural. When your friends start doing that, you should not do that. You need to let them know, hey, I love you. I cannot do that. Why? Because I'm a Christian. There's something beautiful I'll get to later that comes out of that when you stand up for God. And notice why I said uh, when, not if. You will be and you have been confronted with idols. And it's always going to happen throughout your lives. And sometimes idols can be good things. It's not bad. But good things can eventually turn into God things that take God's place in our lives. Right? Hot girl summer, it's okay. I know y'all know this terminology. Don't be fake in church, right? All the, it's, I got to get ready. I got to look right. And so that's an idol. That's the goal, to get this and get that. And so we're we, we going to talk about it in the church. It's okay. Um, and so don't be deceived. No one is immune to this. All of us have and will succumb to these things. But there is grace. There's nothing that you can do to outrun the grace of God. Jesus, through what he's done on the cross, what I love about salvation is three-dimensional. You have been saved, past tense. You are being saved, and you will be saved. So God is always working on your behalf, right? But you got to repent. you got to confess it and tell the truth as it is. Okay, i got to move along. Point number two. Y'all still with me? All right. Follow, uh, point number two. Followers of Jesus will be hated by the people of this world. Right. If you read verses eight through 12, you have this. I love to say some Chaldeans. So they come in. They saw this opportunity. They said, oh, bet these Hebrew boys. Oh, they I know they're not going to be about it. And so they saw this opportunity. Right. Some commentators say it may be because of jealousy and they're hating on the position that Daniel and his friends got in chapter one and, and chapter uh, chapter two. And so he begins to point them out. Right. Notice the language there in verse 12. It says there are some Jews like, you know, the Bible says that people are shocked and surprised when we don't do what they do. Y'all ever experienced that? Are you trying to drink? No, I don't drink. What? You don't drink? That's crazy. What about, do you, no, I don't smoke, I don't, it's just, it's so, they're flabbergasted. They're so confused. Why aren't you doing what we do? The Bible tells us that they're shocked, right? And again, our life is a testimony to them how we live, right? Don't be a jerk in your Christianity. Then you need to apologize for that. But the way we live our lives, it will Right. It, it, the gospel is offensive. Don't be a, a, offensive in your your method and your approach. But the message will be offensive to people. It will. The Bible tells us. And so people will hate you. Right. And so when you read the Bible, it, this becomes clear, like people of God are hated for standing up for the things of God. Look at the life of Paul. He, he had Judaizers who were always persecuting him, abusing him, hurting him, getting him locked up in jail. They were completely against him. They were jealous of him. Same way with the Jewish leaders against Jesus. If you follow Jesus, people will hate you. Right. It's not a popular thing to be a follower of God. Sometimes being obedient to God gets us in serious problems and life threatening situations. Do you know how much I hate that? If you watch, if you know in Acts chapter 16, Paul is preaching. He gets someone who's de uh, demonically uh, possessed. He frees her and prays over her in Jesus' name. The people get mad because that's their source of income. She did sorcery and all that. They got mad. Guess where uh, Paul went? Jail. Praise God. Right? Like literally God told him like to go out there and preach. And sometimes when you do, well, uh, like sometimes we think, oh, I'm, because I'm in sin, these bad things are happening to me. You no, know, a lot of times in the Bible, when you are in the will of God, you will see opposition happen. Satan does not bother professing Christians. You know, the girls on Instagram, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus. You got your little cute Instagram photo. Like he ain't worried about you. But people who are really in the streets, who are really making disciples, who are pushing back the kingdom of uh, darkness, who are living in the context of community, who are preaching the gospel, Satan does not like that. And he will do everything to come against you. And so the whole, what we see here, I believe with the apostles, how they live their life is in Acts 
529, it says we must uh, obey God rather than people. So followers of Jesus, right, you'll be confronted with idols and also people will hate you. Like, how do you believe that? Like, let me live my life my way. Who are you to say that? Love tells you what you need to hear, right? If I'm walking up on stage, right, and I got some, you know, some, um, some spinach in my teeth, real love, like, hey, bro, let me highlight you for a second. And you'll tell me there's something in your teeth or your hair is messed up. That's real love. Not just like, oh, okay, cool, be you. Like, you need to tell people like it is. And be honest, that's what real love does. And so these people, because they stood up for God, they begin to say all these things to the king. Um, notice in verse 12, as it continues, he says, these are, there are some Jews who have appointed, um, who you have appointed to manage in the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, the king. They do not serve your gods or worship the, the golden statue that you have set up. And so simply living life for Jesus, again, I want to let you know you will be persecuted. Jesus, tell us that, right? Two things you can be sure of, or three things. You will die. You got to pay taxes. And if you're a Christian, you will be persecuted. That's facts. It's, it's going to have, there's no way around it. You will experience those things. And so when it came down to bowing down to worship the worship, uh, the image, these men were resolved. And they said, we are not doing that. Do what you got to do. It don't matter what you're going to do. Are, are, are we like that? When you're alone and no one's at home watching you and you're on your screen, is like, Jesus reigns in my life, not this thing. Or maybe you're alone you know, in, in your little dorm room with your little relationship thing. Like Jesus reigns in my life in this relationship, in your finances, how you live your job, what you do in your career. Does Jesus reign? Is he number one in your life? For these guys, they said, we must obey God. I don't care what you got to do. We respect you, brother. But as for me, we, we're going we're gonna to worship the Lord. And so... The king, as you know, the king gets very upset. He gets mad when he hears this, and then he tries to give them another chance. All right, let me give you another chance. If you bow down and worship, bet, you're good. But if you don't, you will immediately be thrown into the furnace. Point number three, are we still good? Okay, maybe the spirit of, I told you I'm coming for y'all in love. Um, point number three, followers of Jesus will be forced to worship the gods of this world. And so 13 through 15, then in a furious, uh, uh, in fury rage, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, gave orders to, uh, to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And so he begins to, to talk to them. Uh, verse 14, he asked them, is it true that you don't worship the, the gods? And, and so I want to jump to uh, the end of verse 15. Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound, right, again, like I was saying, bow down and worship. But if you don't, uh, you'll be immediately thrown to the fire. And notice the audacity says towards the end of uh, 15. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? And so, again, there is that bow down and worship. There is, oh, at work, if you don't stand with us here, like, you're going to lose your job or you'll be ostracized. You won't maybe, you won't get certain businesses, right, because if you stand up for God. Remember that one lady who didn't make a cake? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? For same-sex marriage, remember? And, and ostracized. Are you willing to do that? Amen? Yes, amen, yeah. I, 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 hopefully, it's easier said than done, but are you willing, if you lose your job, everything, are you willing to lay it all down because you said, I, don't, I get it, but this is what the Bible says. This is what Jesus Christ says in his word. I have to do this regardless of what you do for me. I used to work for the San Diego Unified School District. So I used to have kids. I said, don't pray for the kids. I said, oh, we praying. So I, I was praying that they catch me on the news. We have a local Mr. B, a Christian leader, prays for the kids and gets, oh, man, praise God. My family would be proud of me. We, we, we hitting up cheesecake to celebrate. The gospel was preached. You know, people will pray for it. And like, the world like, oh, man, this guy's a believer. And so are you willing to follow Jesus? Real faith is uncompromising. 
The real faith does not back down regardless. Man, do what you got to do. We're not going to give up. If you wait until the moment you're tested to stand out, you may find out it's too late. If you're in the fire, oh, man, because you know how some of us would do. I don't want to get ahead of myself. And so the real time to pray is before, again, you get into that. Do not compromise. These men were not going to compromise in their faith. And the, the king asked them, who's going to save you? And one of my favorite lines is Joshua 24, 15. They said, as for me and my house, what? We are going to serve the Lord. As for me and this church, Grace City, we are going to serve the Lord. If they kick us out of UC High School because we're preaching the gospel, y'all used to meet at the park, I heard. We're going back to the park, praise God. We're still going to keep preaching the gospel, amen? As for me and my house, I don't care what Ray Ray and them do outside. That's how we talk where I'm from. We're going to serve the Lord. They can do what they're going to do. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to live this life even if we're hated. And you will be hated. Point number four is this. Followers of Jesus must be bold in the midst of danger. 16 through 18. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we uh, exist serves, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he can rescue us from the power of the king. But... Somebody better uh, uh, highlight, underline, emphasize verse 18. But even if he does not rescue us, that's wise theology right there. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you to know, King, um, to know that we, want, uh, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden statue that you have put up. Right? Follow that you must be bold. Right? The, the apostles, when they were healing people, they, they stood in front of the Sanhedrin and said, hey, they whipped them and beat them and say, stop praying in this name. So I hear you, fam, but we cannot stop talking about what we have seen and heard. We're going to keep proclaiming. You know what they did? They got beat so bad that their body, if you would see their body, it would be like a, a, like a farm. There, there's rows, their backs are stripped in blood. You can see their bone and they're rejoicing, jumping up and down and that we are declared worthy to suffer for his name. That's our legacy. That's our testimony. May it be even if they do that to us here, may we continue to be bold in the midst of danger, no matter what may happen. And I'm pretty sure in this time, it's an uncertain time. They're not sure what's going to happen. Say, God, first of all, brother, back off. Like God can save us. And he did. Remember in chapter two, when they pray, like they were going to be, he was going to destroy everybody. God revealed to them what he's going to do and God saved them. And so they have that testimony. Say, God is easily able to save us but if he does not we will still worship you and this is what paul said this is a win-win situation for me to live uh, as christ and to die as gain like what do you do to a church like that if you keep preaching jesus we're gonna throw you in jail bet everybody all, the warden everybody getting saved in the cafeteria we're saving everybody we're gonna preach the gospel well we're gonna kill you dope i'm going to jesus like what do you do to people like that like what do you do and so may we be may that be our lifestyle go ahead and kill me bro like, I know where I'm going. And so may that be our lifestyle uh, style too. John Piper calls that the ultimate win-win situation. And so why were they able to do that? I think it's because they have e eternity in mind. They knew this is not their home. They knew one day the Messiah was going to come, right? And it's more nuanced for us. Jesus Christ is here. And that one day we'll be with him. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And say, do what you got to do. We will not bow down and worship you. It doesn't matter what threats are you throwing at us. And so they were very countercultural. And notice as they were doing this, notice the language of the crowds, the nations, the people. Everyone is watching. What is the church of Jesus Christ going to do? It's, the scene is set. Can you imagine? 
The stage is set. Everybody's watching them. They've seen you pray during school. They've seen you send your, your follow of Jesus. And then now something happens where now you're faced with this opposition. How will you respond? What are you going to do? And so they say they're not going to worship. And so I'm reminded of maybe what, what, what Jesus said 600 years later. When you stand in front of the authorities, it would not be you who's speaking, but the Holy Spirit of God will speak for you. And so they had that mind. Do what you must Say, fam, we're, we're not going to bow down. We're not going to fall down and worship. Their minds have been made up a long time ago. They say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Right? The cross before me, you know that old song? The, the world behind me, there's no turning back. That's it. I've made my decision. It's over. Like, Jesus is my king. I'm living for him no matter what may happen. We are not bowing down. Amen? Verse 18. Again, right? Even if it doesn't, they still said, even, you know what? We don't know if he's going to save us, but even if he does not, he is still worthy. May that be our voices, right? Some of you guys were looking to be married, right? Maybe you're in your 30s or your late 40s. Ain't nobody hit you up. You're like, man, it's been hard. Even if he doesn't give me a spouse, he's worthy. Even if he goes, oh, no amens. Uh, maybe y'all got the gift of singleness. I don't know. Amen? Right? Even if he doesn't give you a spouse, he's worthy. Even if your mama's on her deathbed and you're praying over her with the elders and the leaders, even if he does not, Jesus is worthy. Amen? And so maybe go, maybe that be our story. My God, I got five minutes. I don't want to be a liability. I don't know where you are. All right, point number five. Followers of Jesus can be confident that Jesus is always with them. And so what happens 19 to 30? They're, they're going on, right? They're countercultural. So I can imagine as they're like they're tied up. And notice the language. Uh, I want to read this real quick of uh, verse 21. It says, so these men in their trousers and robes, head coverings and other clothes were tied up and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Notice how detailed the Bible is to tell you the flammable clothes that they were wearing. Right. Tied up, bound. There's nothing. It's out of their hands. They were thrown up. They got the basically the Navy SEALs to carry them over like they ain't getting out of this. And they're tied up in all their clothes. And so, again, Jesus is always with them. They didn't know. So I can just imagine the way I like to read the Bible is like they're sitting there like. All right, bro. Well, you feel that? They can feel the heat, man. It's, it's been a good ride, bro. I'll see you in heaven. Like, I don't know if they're, that's what they're saying. And they're encouraging each other. It's been good. God is still faithful. And they're going into the fire, right? And so they get thrown into the fire, bound up. And so the fire, the king was so mad and so angry that it's, the Bible said in a haste that he turned the fire up, right? So that they can burn. Now, I'm not crazy, but if I was going to torture somebody in the fire, the best thing would be to do is cool down the fire, right? Just, just walk with me for a second. You'll cool it down so that way you can slowly, what, turn it back up and so that you can hear the people scream. I know it's a little dark, but that's what you should do. The king was mad and upset. He said, man, now turn it up hotter. And so I think what God does, God uses the rage and the anger of man to flex his power on the world. Oh, y'all miss y'all moment on that part right there. So, like God, so God will use those moments where you're back against the wall to flex. God, like, test me on this. I know you've been faithful. I'm still good. Like, I still hear you. I still see what you're dealing with. Test me and trust me in this moment. And so God is using this, right? He says, stack the cards against me. I'm God. I will show you that I'm able to get you out this situation. And so Nebuchadnezzar and his guards, so what happens? They throw them in here. I noticed the text when it says, if you do not bow down, immediately you will die. So when they throw them, guess what? They don't die, but the other soldiers immediately die. I love that. God is so dope. Um, and so, yeah, they're thrown into this fire. And so, uh, ah, 
As, as they're thrown into the fire, uh, the King Nebuchadnezzar is sitting down, which what he thought him and his loyal uh, priests and pagans, it's, like, it's, a, it's a skeptical, right? It's a show. Now the world is watching them and saying, yeah, if you do this, if you want to follow the Jesus Christ, this is going to happen to you, right? It's like, if you go against me, that's going to happen to you, right? Who's going to stop y'all? Nobody's going to stop me, right? This is the greatest king at that time in empire, the Babylonian empire. There's nobody that was going to outdo them or defeat them. And so all the people are like, man, not nah, do what you got to do. And so they're thrown. They're sitting down ready to watch a barbecue, if you will, of these people die. But then unknown uh, to him, as he does that, he gets up and he's a little baffled. He's like, wait a minute. I'm not a mathematician, but then we throw three people up in there. Brother, can you check that out for my glasses not working? Right? And they see four. And so in these people, they're walking bound and loose in this moment. Y'all, oh man, my God. Yeah. I get excited about this problem. Like, I don't know how to turn it again in front of y'all. I got to go with my time. I got like three minutes. But they're walking. I'm wondering what they're doing in that moment. Probably worshiping God. Right? Probably thanking him. In that moment, Jesus was with them. The God that did not deliver them out the fire was the God that met him in the fire. Met them. Check, check. Y'all hear me? The God that was not with them in the fire is the God that met them in the fire. God not, not always remove your situation, but he will meet you in your situation, what you're dealing with. And so because they were faithful to God, it said the Lord was with them, right? God did not deliver them out of that. But again, later in the text, notice when they come out. And this man, I don't know what is in his mind. He sees that. It's like, it's like the, the sons of God that's there with them. He goes out to them. I'll never met anyone who's in a fire tell people to come out the fire. Right? And so they've been burning for a while. He's like, hey, y'all, come out for a second. And so they come out, and you see this greatest miracle. Their clothes are not messed up. Their body's not damaged. Their hair is not messed up. And they're just baffled. And it said, the God that you serve has rescued you, rescued you guys because you have trusted in him. That's the key. They had faith in Jesus. They risked their lives because Jesus is worthy. They said, regardless of whatever happens to me, I'm still going to worship. I'm still going to lift my hand up. Even during the pandemic when church was closed, I'm still going to worship. I don't know what y'all testimony was. We have in church still. And so they said, we're still going to worship. And I'll close with this. Real faith converts critics. It's another point that I didn't put up there. But real faith converts critics. Remember what happened at this time? It says, um, when he did it, it said all the nations, all the different people, the ethnicity, the ethnos, was there watching this. And so they, they saw King Nebuchadnezzar say all these things. God showed up in their midst, and now they come out of that. Do you know how powerful a testimony that is? And so God now shows up. And so what happens now because of how you live your life, you're able to convert people, not you, because of what Jesus has done through you. You're able to win people over. Like, girl, how are you so able to be so bold? Like, your mom is dying. Like, how? And you're like, man, there's hope. It's Jesus. Can I tell you about him? And so when people begin to see how you live your life, not because everything is perfect when you're a Christian. Matter of fact, I actually would challenge that when you follow Jesus, things will get hard for you. It would not be easy. And so when you live in such a way to have a faith that's able to stand against opposition and fire, you're able to win people over to Christ because of how you live. Right? Again, it's not because you're not the hero of the story. Jesus Christ is in that moment. And so do we trust in Jesus? Like, do you truly trust in Jesus? So um, I got to close my Bible because I'll keep preaching. Um, so, th so there's this man, this example I use. Um, he's a famous uh, tightrope walker. Right, he's the first one to cross from the Niagara Falls. And uh, you ever heard that story, anybody? His name is Bundy. This guy, and so what he would do, he would do some crazy stuff. He'll walk across, and as he did, hundreds of people will come and watch him walk across the tightrope, right? 
He, he had, one time he had a wheelbarrow with cement in it and he walked all the way across. One time he, it said that he fried an egg as he was sitting there and walked across. And so people were like, hey, do you believe that I can, I can walk across? And everybody in the crowd was like, yes, I believe you can do it. And so he does all these things. He has a wheelbarrow. Do you believe I can walk across? They're like, yes. And then he looks at somebody in the crowd. Hey, do you believe I can carry someone across in the wheelbarrow? Yes. Will you get in? And he said, no. Isn't that like us? Oh, I love you, Jesus. I'll do anything. If you ever watch Bad Boys, right? You're like, Jesus, we ride together, we die together. You die on your own. That's what we do. We, sh- we, we sing the song, everything is fine. We worship Jesus. But when it comes down to where you have to stand up for him in his name, will you trust him? And so I'd like to end, I'd like to focus on Jesus. So in that moment, as they went through all of that, God was there with them. Jesus is the hero of the story, not these boys. God showed up, met them in their situation. Again, I don't know what you're dealing with or what you've been through. You may have been through some hard stuff. But Jesus, can I encourage you, is with you in the fire in that moment. And so he protected these boys from a literal fire, these young men during that time. And so even for us, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, he died in our place so that we would not experience death in eternity in hell. Right? He came and took our place. And so now we can trust in him so that we don't have to deal with that. You don't have to walk alone in your marriage and your relationship in this world. There's a new, if you're new here and it's your first time, I just want to challenge you guys. Give us at least three more weeks before you leave Grace City. Just give us a shot. Wait to see what God wants you to do in this moment. Just give Grace City a shot. And I want to let you know that Jesus Christ loves you, right? He died for you no matter what you've done. There's no sin that's bigger than the grace of God. And so God calls every single one of us to that. And so you're not alone. I don't care what the devil tries to tell you by yourself, behind closed doors. Some of us maybe want to harm ourselves or we want to end our lives, end our marriage. Like this is, there's no hope. There is hope in the person and work of Jesus Christ. He hasn't made the way for you. If you're willing to say, I will trust in you, I will give my life to you, I promise you, he will not let you down. But even if he doesn't show up when you want him to, he is still worthy. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's all stand up as I pray. Dearly Father, thank you for this time, God, in your word, Lord. God, I just pray that during this time, maybe there's some of us who, like, man, I, I resonate with that. There, there have been times where I've I punted, I've dropped the ball in this moment. I, I, I did not stand up as I should. I did not been bold. So, Lord, I just pray for boldness in Jesus' name and in, in the lives of these men and women. God, that they would trust in you. They would lean into you as your word says in Proverbs 3, 5, God. Not in their own ways, but they would acknowledge you in everything, God. Give us confidence, God. Give us boldness. Even if we're alone and nobody else is there, God, may we say, God, even if you don't, Lord, you are still worthy. May that be our testimony. Because you didn't give up on us, Lord. You were beaten, God. You were nailed to the cross on our behalf so that we can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so if we place our sin in Jesus alone for the salvation of our souls as our personal sin barrier, we can have newness of life. 
if we believe in this moment. So, God, I pray, give us boldness. Give us confidence. Help us to be courageous, God, as we go back to our schools, as we go back to our communities. Help us to be bold, to stand up for you, Lord. And I thank you that you have not left us alone as widows and orphans. You have given us the Holy Spirit of God who is with us, who empowers us, Lord. So fill us up today, God. Speak to us, God. Refresh and renew, God, our wounds and our brokenness, God. May you begin to restore, God, healing, joy, peace. In your son's name, we just thank you, God, again, for all that you have accomplished. Thank you for meeting us in our deepest, darkest moment, God, when no one else may have not been there, Lord. May we repent and even say, God, sorry that I even forgot that you were there. You have never left my side. So many times we've walked out on you, God, but you have never walked out on us. And so for that, we rejoice and we thank you, Lord, because you are good. It's in your wonderful and beautiful name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.